other hand, the heathen seeing mere men work one miracle were for deifying them immediately. If that's not an indictment of the wickedness of man, nothing else is. Jesus came and for three and a half years made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, raised the dead <laughs> with His voice. Lazarus, come forth. And to this day, they try to deny He's God. Even professing Christians, people call themselves Christians, will deny. You can go out and find videos. Did Jesus really claim to be God? Was Jesus really God? Yes, He was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I and my Father are one. John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I already quoted Paul referring to Him as God manifest in the flesh. Over and over ago in the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Amen. <laughs> it's all over the Bible. If you want to know, if you want to prove that understanding the Bible is not about intellect, it's about the Spirit. Because all over the Bible, Jesus is referred to as God. He shall be called Emmanuel, and Matthew says that means being interpreted God with us all over the Bible, and yet the Mormons all reject it. The Jehovah's Witnesses all reject it. The New Age movement rejects it. Most of the apostate churches in this city reject that truth. As clear as it is. But they'll deify men. How many of you saw these? I mean, you remember what it was like when Obama was running in 2008? I think that's as close to seeing a man deified in my lifetime I've ever seen. I mean, it was something ridiculous. And they put these big posters in their windows in the, uh, the houses out here. And one lady from the neighborhood came up and asked me if I wanted to put one of those in our window. And when I said, I'm not even voting for him, you should have seen the look on her face. Like, blasphemy! <laughs> he was crazy. Some of you may not remember like well, I do. I remember the way it was. What was that 16 years ago? But it was crazy. It, do, it didn't take a lot to cause people to do that because man has that natural tendency. Again, our Roman Catholic loved ones, the way they treat the Pope, it's blasphemous. They refer to him by names of deity, and they worship the man. They won't call it that. I don't care if they call it that. What are they doing? It's worship. It's just amazing. It's interesting to see what God they tagged Barnabas and Paul with, by the way. Barnabas was tagged with Jupiter, which is the same as Zeus, I guess. According to, I guess, the Greeks was Zeus, and Jupiter is the Roman version. He's the principal deity of the Greeks and Romans by another name. And, uh, you know, you see that and you almost wonder, I wonder if Barnabas kind of looked like him. <laughs> but Jupiter was the strong, silent type. And we kind of know that about Barnabas. Who's doing most of the talking here? Which is why Paul was called Mercury, because that's Hermes in Greeks, 
mythology, and that Hermes was the speaker, the orator. Messenger. Messenger. So that's Paul. But he was the speaker. Yeah. So I think they got it right. Barnabas was the strong, silent type. Yeah. And Paul was the one talking all the time, by doing all the preaching. So I thought that was interesting. So in verse 13 says, Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people. Think about how pagan you all are. I mean, just think about it. January. February. You know, these are all named after Greek gods and Roman gods. And then uh, the planets. You know, Jupiter, Mars, you know. Mercury, there's a Mercury planet. I mean, it's closer to the sun. And What's that? Days of the week. Yeah, the days of the week. And most of our names. Most of your names, either first, middle, or last, at least one of them has pagan origins. You know? Uh, and that's why we don't spend a lot of time trying to fix everybody when it comes to calling the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christmas. We meet on Sunday. Both words are pagan. You know, you're going to have to fix the whole language if you're going to go around doing that. Um, Easter, I, don't, I like to call it Resurrection Day, but it, most of the time it's not on the actual Resurrection Day, you know, because he couldn't have been raised on a Sunday that lands on Sunday every year. It's impossible. Um, I think last year or this year it actually did, or will. I have to look that up again. We will before uh, the season comes. But you know what? If I know somebody is going to have the observance of Easter Sunday and they do the thing for Lent and for 40 days they get in the Word and they pray and all that. I mean, um, you know, that's up to them. We're not going to get involved in all that stuff, but, you know, the important thing is that they're, they're saved and they truly are reading the right book and that they are really drawing closer to the Lord. That's the most important thing. And so that's why we don't major on uh, trying to fix everybody on all that stuff. But, uh, Paul's going to later write something about this. How they brought sacrifice to offer in the name of Jupiter, but it's to Paul as Jupiter. Isn't that wild? So let's look at what Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning verse 19. Verse 19, very British sounding. What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. Interesting though. Read 20 with me. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. But I say, You're offering sacrifices to idols. You're praying to statues. You're burning incense to the icons. Whatever case may be. The Bible says there's a devil on the other side of that thing you're offering that to. Doesn't matter your intention. You may think, oh, Mother Mary, Mother of God. Blessed art thou, blah, blah, blah. On the other side of that is a devil. That's not the real Mary. 
First of all, the real Mary isn't listening to prayers. She's in heaven with all the other saints doing exactly what the other saints are doing. There's no intercession through Mary to Jesus. The Roman Catholic Church isn't the only one that teaches that, and it's a satanic lie. Don't care who's teaching it. And when you offer offerings of any kind, prayers, worship of any kind, incense, whatever, you're offering that to a devil. Where is it? Out here in Bell Fountain, they got this big Mary out there, and people go out there and pray and do the rosary and burn incense and candles and all that stuff. They're worshiping the devil. Yes, that's really the connection there. It's a goddess by many other names, Diana, Aphrodite's, uh, Semiramis, you know, Mary. Same spirit behind it. That's just something to mark in your Bible if you ever talk to anybody who's involved in that kind of stuff. And the apostles wanted nothing to do with being labeled little gods, <laughs> thankfully. Or we wouldn't know them as we do. Look at verse 14. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out. They're rejecting the attempt to basically create a personality cult, turning them into the focus of that attention. Now, it may not be as blatant, but folks, evangelicals are as bad as the unbelievers when it comes to this. They take their favorite preacher, and that guy becomes their little god. And when Alistair Begg tells people they should go ahead and go to gay marriages, how many of his followers checked out and followed him instead of God's Word? God's Word says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Don't make a completely wicked counterfeit of true marriage and put your stamp of approval on that. Shame on you if you do that. But it's many other things going on these days. You know, we talked about John MacArthur telling everybody that the blood wasn't what was important. It was just the death of Jesus. How anybody can read the Bible and see this bloody book blood shed from Genesis to Revelation the life is in the blood without the shedding of blood there's no remission in whom we have redemption through his blood unless you're reading in NIV and ESV and American Standard they take the blood out of there and then you got MacArthur who's made 20 million dollars raking it in teaching that nonsense and on and on I go with all the evangelicals because you can talk to their followers, you can show them, look at the scripture. They don't care. They're following that man. I've seen guys go to college and they fall under a professor's spell. And that professor is like the Holy Spirit in their life and becomes their little God. Then they go back to their home church and try to fix everybody. That King James Bible is full of errors. That, that doctrine of the rapture, that was trumped up by Darby in the 18th century. That, you know, it's just a one thing after another because some professor told them. Now the sad thing is you just don't have to go off to the professor. It's pretty much uh, about two-thirds of the church watching YouTube. And they want to fix the preacher and tell him how he's wrong on all this stuff. And when the preacher tries to tell him, wait a minute, do all the evidence. Proverbs 18.13 He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Listen first. Get the evidence. Listen to the whole thing. Acts 17.11 You listen and then you search the Scriptures daily to see if those things are so. But that's not what people are doing. 
They're just being tossed about by every wind of doctrine and then they, get, they fall into it, they become invested in it, and they can't recant now because they know it makes them look foolish. That whole flat earth thing. That swept thousands of Bible believers into the sewer. And now out of pride, a lot of them just cannot admit they got suckered. And so churches lost members and finances and people out there preaching the gospel. And some of these guys, just like the Calvinism thing we talk about. You know how many times somebody has decided to no longer be a Christian and they want to be a Calvinist? I have no problem with people being a Calvinist and preaching the gospel. God bless you. But you know the majority of Calvinists I've known don't preach the gospel. They preach Calvinism. They don't run around looking for lost people to preach the gospel to. They look for Christians to convert to Calvinism. I received contacts just these last two weeks from two different people trying to convert me. What do they do every time? They spend sometimes between $20 and $100 to send me materials to convert me to Calvinism. Why don't you take that money and time and try to convert sinners to Jesus? But I've seen people just totally throw away their lives and their ministries to an ism. And it's usually named after a man. But they take a man and turn him into a little god. And I have no interest in being ahead of a personality cult. We're, we're a cult. We're a Bible-believing Jesus cult. Because today we're considered a cult. If you believe the Bible, everybody will tell you you're in a cult. How many of you have been told that? I'm the pastor and I've been told that. You're in a cult. I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I always tell them the same thing. When I read my Bible, I find what it says and we believe it. If that makes us a cult, so be it. But if I get in a time machine and travel back 50 years, the majority of evangelical churches are right where we are. Who moved? Amen. We need to appreciate the intensity of feeling the apostles are demonstrating here. This is why I get, you saw me get a little emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not crying emotion this time. Uh, but uh, I get a little emotional about it. I get so sick of watching people like dumb sheep fall into these personality cults. These people who follow Joyce Myers. These people who follow Kenneth Copeland. They always got their, the Rod Parsleyites. All these people who follow, even people like Peter Ruckman. I'm going to tell you this. I think Peter Ruckman was a great teacher. But I'm not a Ruckmanite. I'm a Jesusite. I'm a Bibleite. So was he. He didn't start calling his followers Ruckmanites. <laughs> yeah. Verse 15 says, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? I hope I'm not talking to anybody here, but that's what I'm saying. Why? Why do that? Now look what it says there. Let me go back. We also are men of like passions with you. Now I want to blow your mind here real quick. Again, I asked you earlier to think of the preacher that you believe, if it's Billy Graham or Joel Osteen <laughs> or Rick Warren... But even if it's Peter Ruckman, or it's a J. Vernon McGee, or maybe it's somebody we don't know, but it's a preacher that's pastored your family. Name it. Put that person in your mind. I don't care who it is. If it's a woman, okay. <laughs> Some of you might have been raised that way. All right, now think of that preacher. You got him? You got one? 
I'm asking you to seriously do it. Think of that person. The one preacher that you would put the most respect in. I'm going to tell you something. He's sexually lusted after women. He's been tempted to steal. He's thought bad, bad thoughts. He's probably thought about killing somebody and it was probably a member of his church. We also are men of like passions with you. Obviously. I guarantee you, the Apostle Paul, if we were to hear it on Jesuit Day, I mean, he talked about Alexander the coppersmith and some of these guys. I bet he wanted to kill them. Remember what he said in Galatians about the people who trouble you? I wish they were all cut off. That's wishing for their death. Why would you feel like that? You'd feel like that because they're preaching a false gospel and damning souls. That's one reason to feel that way. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You just think about that preacher and you just think about anything you've been lusting after and had to repent of. Anything you've... Uh, and, and a lot of times it's the sins that you've committed they've done too. God's forgiven them. A lot of these once married pristine preachers who can brag about the fact they've only had one woman for life and yet they fornicated with several before they got married. According to the Bible, they've had several wives. It's not on the books with the government, but in God's eyes they did. I'm not saying that to cut anybody down. I'm saying that to put us all on the same level, and not just preachers, I mean all of us. All of us are right here. You know the one man who isn't among us? Jesus. Jesus is the only one who isn't guilty of being subject to those passions. He was tempted, but it, he wasn't subject. And we're subject. We have a sinful nature. We want to do those things. We need good reasons not to. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. Why don't you do those things? A lot of times it's just because I know God doesn't want me to. It's not because I don't want to. I want to, but God says not to, so I don't do it. Some of you are being honest. <laughs> I know the rest of you mean it too. The absurdity of humans deifying other humans is matched only by the pervasiveness of the practice. Again, real quick, just to review this. Eastern religions, Eastern mysticism, Hinduism and Buddhism, which is more than a billion people on the planet. What do they do? All their gurus are considered godmen. Those wicked sinner gurus are considered gods. The New Age movement teaches that all humans have potential for godhood. If you reach maturity as a New Ager, you're supposed to chant and say, I am God. Out on a broken limb. I mean, out on a limb. Um, it was a movie that was out in the late 80s, I think it was. What was her name? Uh, Shirley MacLaine. Out on a beach. I think I've told this before, but who's the guy that wrote the uh, Piercing the Darkness? Pretty. He was given a He was given a conference lecture or something, whatever. And he said, can you imagine God looking down at Shirley and that other guy on the beach? And they're saying, I am God. I am God. And God's up right like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I've been a good time for one. 
Yeah, we saw that a few weeks ago. Of course, the Mormons. Mm -hmm. If you're an obedient male Mormon and you go through the temple marriage and you're faithful to death, they teach that you will be a god and have your own planet. You'll have billions of celestial wives, have endless celestial sex, which, <laughs> that must be something. But, uh, and you're going to populate your own planet. They teach that our planet is populated by the offspring of a god on the planet Kolob. And as man is, God once was. And what God is, man will, can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True story. And of course, then among some who claim to be evangelicals in this word faith cult, they elevate men to being little gods. Do you know what else they've settled in tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ that we're gods. I am a little god. Yes. Yes. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. I am a little god. Critic, you are anything that he is. Yes. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. Triflo Dollar. And if God now produces man, and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? They know what he's saying. But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. You know, why do people have such a fit about God calling his creation, his creation, his man, not his whole creation, but his man, little gods? If he's God, what's he going to call them but the God kind? I mean, if you as a human being have a baby, you call it a human kind. If, if cattle has another cattle, they call it cattle kind. So, I mean, what's God supposed to call us? Doesn't the Bible say we're created in His image? You know who you are? Turn to Psalm 82. This is going to blow your mind real good. Yeah, Psalm 82, 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. That's you. He judgeth among the what? Now, would you please listen to me? This is talking about you. He's telling the gods. Who are the gods? You are. See, I never heard that. Let me ask you this. Hello, you. Are you God's offspring? Then you're not human. So this God-like person inside of Benny Hinn right here has nothing to do with flesh and blood. He's a part of God. He's a little God walking in a, in a little body. Don't say I have, say I am. I am, I am, I am, I am. Say after me, within me. Is a God man. Say it again. Within me is a God man. Now let's say it even better than that. Let's say I am a God man. 
When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Here's where it's going to get big for some people. Get ready. Go ahead. Email me now in that place. Go ahead. You tap into who you really are. You know what the Bible calls you? It says you are a little Elohim. You are a little God. If you can see his face there, I think that's like... I like his face there. It's a proper facial response to that kind of nonsense. This is going on in Pentecostal charismatic churches and other independent churches and some denominational churches throughout America. That's what they're teaching. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities. Turn from these false teachers. Turn from these charlatans and liars unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the all things that are therein. Again, just think of the absurdity of it. It's amazing. Verse 16. Who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. We don't have time to get into this in depth, but God didn't leave them to their ignorance without a witness to them. And verse 17 says, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody in the world gets the what they call uh, prevenient grace, or there's different terms for it, uh, that God shows his grace to all men. Uh, and he then like Rahab, Ruth, Naaman, if you remember them, among others, responded to God's goodness, and they'll be with us in heaven. They weren't Jews in the Old Testament, but they joined themselves to God and His people, and they'll be with us. And there's many, many more that we'll meet once we're there. Amen? Look over at Romans 1 real quick. This is very familiar territory to most of you. Romans 1, 19 and 20 explains this. No one is going to be able to say that God did not deal with them, didn't come to them. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Paul wrote that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. So we know that God's Spirit deals with every man, woman, and child. And He uses his, that person's conscience. He also uses creation. Look at verse 20. Or I got 19 and 20. 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Read verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In a nutshell, I believe that anyone who responds to that witness... God is going to reveal Himself to them. Amen. Here in America, it might be uh, our ministry, a chick track, or any other church ministry or any other individual preaching the gospel. In other countries, it's missionaries, or it could be by the radio or the internet these days. But God will get the gospel to that person. But even with protest, most humans choose to live in ignorance and darkness, and that's how this thing ends. Look at verse 18. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. After all that, and Paul and Barnabas even saying, we're not your gods. We're men just like you. And they still were intent on deifying them and offering sacrifice. That's how you, I don't know about you, but that's how I feel about most of my loved ones. After all that God has done, all the witnessing, Life in general. 
the witness of creation, the conscience we know that God is pricking in their hearts and minds, and they just continue on and continue on, just like this thing pictures up here on the wall, and walking toward the cross, because the cross is a witness, and they see the witness, and they see the witness, and they choose to go off the edge into the abyss. It's an amazing thing. Only when we receive God's word do we find the light and come into the darkness. Come in out of the darkness. Sorry. You want to find the light. There's, it's not a gospel song or a feeling. <laughs> Although a gospel song could have the gospel itself in it, but most of them don't these days. But it's the gospel itself. It's the word of God. And that's how I want to close this. It's Colossians 3. Okay. Ignore the screen there. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Beginning verse 14 it says, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the, God, uh, the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And we read this in the uh, Sunday school. But some of you didn't read it with us, so I want you to read it. Read verses 16 and 17 with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then look at verses 23 and 24. Read that. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. The bottom line is, to not allow frustrations and disappointments in this life to hinder you. Obviously, don't let false doctrine and false teachings and that sort of thing hinder you. Stay the course with the knowledge of what God has taught you. Stay true to the Word and just keep on keeping on. And if you'll do that, when the Lord returns, you're going to be so thankful you did it. Amen. And great will be your reward. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank You, Lord, for this study and we thank You for uh, teaching us. Your Holy Spirit teaching us. Uh, even when... The preacher uh, mixes up his words and sends people to the wrong reference. Throughout this time, your Holy Spirit has been able to use your word and minister to hearts, maybe even convict some of us here. Maybe there's people here among our family, online or here, who need to make some changes, who need to understand the time that they may be wasting Maybe they understand that there's opportunities they're blowing. Or maybe it's just a general lack of commitment and dedication to service. Of course, it starts by knowing for sure we're saved by the blood of Christ, by faith in that death, burial, and resurrection. But we do pray that those who are sure of their salvation will be just as sure of their intent to serve you and to love you and to enjoy you day in and day out. And enjoy, as we enjoy you and enjoy our walk with you, we could be contagious and spread that same spirit 
to those around us, saved and unsaved. In Jesus' name.